How many of you believe in God for a finger-licking good service tonight? <laughs> well, I figure if KFC can do that, we can do that here. Amen. All right. Praise God. We're so glad that you're here. Of course, this is the week devoted to God. And, you know, um, it's important when you devote things to God. And devoting, taking the time and to be here in these services or taking the time to participate online or to come to the morning prayer times, it means something. You know, sometimes we can esteem things real lightly. And the Bible, of course, warns us uh, not to esteem the things of God real lightly. You know, we'll never have another time exactly like this. We'll never be in another situation exactly like this. We'll never be in another season of life where we need something like this. And so I'm so pleased and God's pleased that you didn't take uh, this week lightly. And so he is pleased with you. All right, we're going to worship God first and then we'll follow the Holy Spirit. Why don't we all stand, please? I'll pray and our worship team, are you guys ready to go? (laughs) They're ready to go. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence tonight. And we thank you that your goodness is here. And we thank you, Father, that as we follow the leader, as we follow the Holy Spirit of God, that we'll receive all that you would have for each one of us tonight. We call this time in your presence blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone say glory to God. Come on, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're so glad you're here to find two people and tell them hello. <laughs> yes, someone will show Thank you. Well, we are so glad that you guys are here tonight, and God's here, and um, you guys look great, and um, we're doing our best just to follow the Holy Spirit here tonight. Um, If you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to Daniel chapter number three. Hadn't planned on going there, but this seemed like a good place, you know, Daniel chapter number three. I'm reading out of a New King James Bible, Daniel chapter number three. And um, here in verse number one, it's the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar sets up this image of gold. And I want you to notice this, and we, we may read a little bit more than normal here. But in verse number one, it says, uh, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits 
and it was, uh, and it's with six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Uh, I saw a footnote one time that said that that was 19 feet high. Well, that's quite the image, isn't it? And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence to come to the dedication of the image with which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages that at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lair, the psaltery, uh, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image or worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whosoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Of course, it, the story goes on here. It says, therefore, the time that certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews... Uh, they spoke to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, king, have made a decree for everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lair, the sophistry with uh, symphony and all kinds of music uh, shall fall down and worship the image. Of course, but they squealed on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they didn't worship the music. And then the penalty for not worshiping the music was death in the fiery furnace. And I want to talk to you tonight, and this is a very interesting portion of scripture here, because we have this great king at the time, Nebuchadnezzar, and his king of over all Babylon with different providences and stuff. And he's got all these officials, and he has put together a decree and he has set up an image, and he expects people to worship the image that he has set up. And the penalty for not worshiping the image that he set up is death. And I want to talk to you tonight about how to turn around hopeless situations. How to turn around hopeless situations. Because see, in the natural, that looks like a hopeless situation for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you know that, right? Uh, we have a ruler, a government official now who has dictated to everyone how you are going to worship. And how many know when government dictates how you're going to worship, we have a problem here? <laughs> Uh, the, the word of God tells us how we're going to worship, right? I don't care who's in office. We worship the way God tells us to worship. And so there is great pressure 
on these individuals, on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are you going to go with what God said, or are you going to go with what man has said? And he set up an image. And the last time I uh, checked, God said in his word, don't be setting up graven images. And this is an image, right? Very interesting. And so they're in a pickle here, so to speak. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, the king hears that these people, verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave commandment to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Well, how are they going to answer? How are you going to answer? Are you serving his God or are you serving the true and living God? If they say you're serving the true and living God, it may cost you your life. Most likely it would. And there's great pressure. How many know this is called persecution? Is there any persecution in the church today? You know, we need to learn how to flow and cooperate with God, even in difficult circumstances and situations. You know, and as we were worshiping and the Lord reminded me of this portion of scripture, this is the thing that he was really speaking to my heart. I didn't say it in an audible voice, but down on the inside of me in my heart, he was saying this. Many times my people, when they're in hopeless situations, don't give me a chance. That's an amazing statement. I'll say it again. Many times when my people are in tough situations, desperate situations, hopeless situations, they don't give me a chance. I mean, you know, we need to give God a chance, right? In a hopeless, they're in a hopeless situation here. And so the king is questioning them, of course, about their rebellion against what he has said. He goes, verse 15, now if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, you know, the harp and the lair and the psaltery and symphony and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Well, that's pretty haughty, isn't it? There is a God that knows how to deliver, and there is a God that knows how to save, and there is a God that knows how to rescue you even in these last days. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Hallelujah, amen. And we can park right there on that, right? Is, our, is your God and my God able to deliver you from a hopeless situation? You know, one of the rules for being delivered from a hopeless situation is have faith in God. I remember years ago, I used to listen. Anyone old enough to remember R.W. Shambach? He goes, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. You got to have some faith in God, Amen. 
God's looking for faith. He's looking for someone that he can show himself strong on their behalf. And I like their answer here. It says, if that is, if that is the case, our God whom we, are, we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. You know, we need to put some trust in God. Even in the midst of hopeless situations, you need to trust God. Sometimes we put our trust more in man than we do God. You know, writing a letter to your congressman at that time ain't going to help you. <laughs> right? That's not going to do anything in that situation, right? You know, there are certain situations when you're hopeless. You know, it's nothing wrong with seeking a physician. Jesus said the sick need a physician, right? There's nothing wrong with seeking a physician, but in certain situations, you know, people put more trust in I'm just going to go say it. People put more trust in medical technology than they do God. I knew someone who was in a hopeless situation with their health, and they were a Christian. They were spirit-filled, full of the Holy Ghost, loved God with all their heart. And they were in a situation where they had an incurable disease, and when I would talk to them, they would give me a medical description of what is going on in their physical body as if they had gone to medical school and could give me the technical description and the cause of it. And then, you know, what medical people in that day and hour had to say concerning that situation. And I did not hear them talk hardly at all about what God could do. You know, the more you talk about how big God is, how big God is in your life, the bigger he becomes in your life. I mean, you know, we don't serve a little small God. We serve a big God, amen? Serve a really large God. They're here in this situation. Maybe you've got some kind of hopeless situation going on in your life. Uh, got news for you. God's a big God. And he is able to deliver you from that situation. You should get excited about that. <laughs> I'll say to him, God's a big God and he's able to deliver you from that situation. You know, I didn't come here tonight to leave you with no hope. I'm not here to leave you with no faith. I'm here to put something in you tonight, amen? I said, when things are hopeless, it's not the time to quit. When things are hopeless, it's not the time to cave. When things are hopeless, you got a hopeless situation in your life, it's time to put your trust in God. He's a big God. So we continue on here. They said, he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods. I mean, you know, you got to make a decision who you're going to serve in life. Amen. And, you know, we had our, our, we've had a different worship teams up here this week, and they've been doing a marvelous job, aren't they? Haven't they been doing a great job, right? But do you know that throughout history, there are times when man tries to dictate what you and I should worship? And we see this way thousands of years ago, and at the end of this time period, there will be an antichrist on the earth, and he will try to dictate to people to worship him. 
But what are you going to do in that situation? This is why the story's in the book. We already know what to do. We're going to do the same thing that they did, right? One of the keys in a hopeless situation is to find out what people in the Bible did, and then you can do the same thing and you'll get the same results because God is no respecter of persons. You know, if you're in a hopeless situation, one of the things you can do is just follow the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, is he not the lead man? He leads and guides, right? The Holy Spirit is better than anyone who works at AAA. The Holy Spirit knows all the roads, all the streets, knows all the great places to eat, knows all the sites to visit and stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a great Holy Spirit, right? The other person of the Trinity. And he will help you. I don't know if we ever thought about it when we're in a hopeless situation, calling on the Holy Spirit to help us. Because there's a lot of different ways maybe to get out of this situation. But he'll lead you and guide you into the right avenue to take. That's what I wanted to say there. And so they're here in this situation here. In verse 9, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and his expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because he had liked them up until this point. You know, people like you until you stand up. You know, when you stand, start standing up for God, people don't like it when you stand up for God. But you know what? I'm not here for you to like me. <laughs> Amen? And we're here to please God. And uh, he spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace up seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, their outer garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You talk about a bad assignment. <laughs> that was a bad assignment. Verse 22, uh, verse 23. And these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound, down bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. Then, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and he spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true old king. He said, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. <laughs> Notice this. And they are not hurt and the form of the fourth man is like the son of God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, there is a fourth man with you in your hopeless situation. And his name is Jesus. And he wants to get you out of that situation if you put your faith and trust in him. No matter what your situation is, there's always someone with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And then he gave us his Holy Spirit, the great counselor, the great comforter. Did you know when you learn to call on the Holy Spirit, he'll comfort you even in a hopeless situation? And he will actually show you the way out of that situation. 
You know, one of the things that I think that sometimes we don't always realize is how to operate with God. Everyone say operate. Some, one of the things about these services this week is there's been a, a little bit of a light shine on how important it is to operate. And we're living in days where we need to know how to operate and cooperate with God. Jesus knew how to operate. He would hear, he says, I only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. He'd wait and hear and then he'd go do what he heard or what he saw. Very interesting, isn't it? Sometimes we just jump out and do whatever, you know, we think we should do in that situation. Jesus knew how to work miracles. Prophets knew how to work miracles. You know, there come, there's coming times when we're in difficult situations that are hopeless, that if we'll just learn to operate with him, there'll be great help for us and for other people. Amen? Amen? God showed up in a mighty way that day because these guys didn't cave in a hopeless situation. I want to encourage you tonight. I don't care if it's in your health. I don't care if it's in your finances. I don't care if it's in your marriage. I don't care where the situation is hopeless at. God is here and he is able to help you and will help you if you will give him an opportunity. I think I heard crickets there. Let's go to, let's go to Acts chapter 27. Let's go to Acts chapter 27, please. Someone says, well, why are you on this? Well, I'm on this because the Lord had me talk about this tonight. And so there must be people in the room that have hopeless situations. And everything is subject to change. Things can change quickly here. In Acts chapter 27, we have the uh, great apostle Paul. He had been in the midst of a storm on a ship and things weren't going well. You know, and uh, here, there's some things, there's some keys here uh, that I think that we can get here. When you're in, they're in a hopeless situation, they're caught up in this hurricane or nor'easter or whatever you want to call it, and they are in trouble. And the Bible says that all hope was gone that they would survive. And I want you to look at this now at verse number... Uh, Fifth, let's go six, 15. So when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Claudia, we secured the skiff with difficulty. You know, they're trying to secure things in the midst of a storm. You know, if you're in the midst of the storm, you're trying to secure things. You're in a, you're in a really tough situation here. Verse 17. It says, and when they had uh, taken it on board, they used cables. King James says, help to undergird the ship. And fearing lest they should run aground, of course. Now look at this at verse number 18. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. Everyone say, lighten the ship. When you're uh, in, a, in a hopeless situation, get rid of the stuff that is just, that's unnecessary. You know, when you're in a hopeless situation, you don't need to be watching General Hospital. <laughs> Why 
why do you say that? As a pastor over the years, I would come to people in really serious situations in the hospital, visitations and stuff, and people are watching some goofy stuff. You need to have something that's going to feed your faith. Amen? Amen? We're in a hopeless situation. Maybe you need to give the season tickets up and give them to somebody else or sell them or something. Eliminate unnecessary things. They're in a hopeless situation here. Amen? I said, amen? amen? Boy, you could say a whole lot there. Maybe it's time to get rid of the dog. You can't even walk, and you're trying to get the dog down the street. Give the dog to Uncle Charlie, let him have it for a while, and then pick the dog up when you get out of your hopeless situation. That went over real well. (laughs) It's tough up here. (laughs) Look at this now, verse 19. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. They got rid of some stuff first. Now it's getting really, this is a serious situation. They threw the tackle or the furnishings of the ship, the tables, the chairs, whatever was not necessary. They got it out of the boat. They got rid of it. Things that are unnecessary in your life when you're in a hopeless situation, get rid of it. If I remember a guy who was in a hopeless situation with finances and I'm going like, and I'm sitting down talking to him about his finances. And he's talking about, well, I need so much money for my cable. And I'm going, do you really need cable? You're financially, you know, you're about ready to go bankrupt. Let's keep moving on. Verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. How many know that qualifies as a hopeless situation? Someone says, Pastor, I lost all hope, you know. Can you still have hope when there's no hope? Absolutely so. How many know we haven't figured in but God yet? Verse 21, but after long abstinence from food, you know, when you're in the, I've been on a cruise boat and the waters get a little bit bumpy or whatever, but when you're caught up in a big storm like that, how many know things don't stay down? (laughs) And these guys aren't even eating. And this is a really serious situation. After a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, You should have listened to me and have not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss because he did try to warn them. But what does a preacher man know about sailing is probably what they thought. Verse 22, now I urge you take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, so and shout hallelujah, amen. 
Now, we saw the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Now we see an angel standing there. There's heavenly hosts there to help you as well. And the angel came with a message from God. You got to like that, amen? You know, in the Old Testament, there was a prophet, and then uh, this king was upset because every time he tried to attack God's people, uh, you know, the whole plot was exposed. And he goes, there's a snitch here among us, you know? And they said, no, that's that prophet over there. He knows what goes on in your bedroom. He's the one that's snitching. They go, go get him. And they surrounded the man of God with all this army. And the man of God woke up, and there's an army surrounding him. And his little servant there goes, uh, you know, this is not good. Things are not going well today. And the man of God isn't concerned. He's in a hopeless situation. He's surrounded by a whole army. And the man of God said, there be more with us than be with them. There's more, there's more on your side than you could possibly imagine. In your situation, there is more with you than you could possibly imagine. You got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You got angels and you got people in your church and in this congregation standing with you. There's a lot of people here. Boy, you need to take a hold of that. See, the lie is, is that this is a hopeless situation and I'm in this by myself. You are never by yourself. I'll say it again. You are never by yourself. God has seen to that. Let's continue on here. And he goes on to say... um, Verse 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Verse 25, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you know when God tells you something, it shall come to pass, right? If you got to believe it. You know, we have a whole book full of what God said. You know, in Psalms 50, it says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will answer thee and deliver thee. Did you know that that's a promise in God? I remember one time I was in a hopeless situation. You know, I had... Roid, I was young and inexperienced and didn't handle my finances properly and lost my vehicle and got repossessed and all this stuff. And then I've got this 1974 Chrysler Newport that I'm driving. And it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a big, uh, you, could, you could smuggle 16 people across the border in the trunk. This is just, uh, yeah, this thing. Um, you, you put your foot on the gas and you could watch the needle move as you were driving. It would move like this. And you know, you could outrun police cars in that thing. I mean, it was canary yellow. A black preacher in a canary yellow car. I don't know. There's something wrong here. And uh, Julie and I hadn't been married that long. 
And uh, that car wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. I mean, I was having problems with it, you know, and I wrecked my credit and stuff and was trying to get a car. Nobody would give me a loan for a new car. There were times I had to lay hands on the car and speak to it to command it to start in the name of Jesus. And so my wife, being the woman of God that she is, she said to me, she goes, that thing's a piece of junk. (laughs) You need to get rid of that car and you need to go in there and get on your face before God and stay there until you get an answer from God. I went in the bedroom, shut the door, and I wasn't happy. (laughs) But I knew she was right. So I got in my, I'm in a hopeless situation because I don't, I, I really want a new car, you know? I'm tired of fixing things and laying hands on things, you know? And um, so um, I got in the bedroom and I prayed, and I hadn't prayed that long. And all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. And he spoke Psalms 50. Let's go to Psalms 50. You guys hanging in there with me? Psalms 50. And I want you to notice what it says here. And this is what the Lord had me read here. Verse 10. He says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. Chuck Rose belongs to God. He goes, I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine in all its fullness. It all belongs to God. Will I eat the flesh of bulls? Will I drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. When you're in a hopeless situation, we have a promise from God that if you call upon him in the day of trouble, that he will deliver you. I was in a hopeless situation. I read that. And I laughed, and I started to be like Sarah and laugh, like, yeah, you know, all right, God. And then I remember Sarah laughed, and God wasn't pleased with her. (laughs) So I said, okay, God. I said, well, this is the deal, God. I said, we do need a new car. And I said, uh, you know, my credit isn't the best in the world. And And God spoke to me, and he says, son, I can have you a brand new car in three days. And I almost had doubted him. I said, you can do that in three days? He says, in three days. I said, well, I need a new car. I came out, and Julie goes, you're out here so soon. (laughs) Something like that. And I said, did you hear from the Lord? I said, yes, I heard from the Lord. And I quoted this verse of scripture Did you know that that was a rhema word from God for me? Faith comes by hearing, 
And when you're in a hopeless situation, you got to have faith. And you know, the Bible is loaded with all kind of words from God, right? Am I not right? But wait a minute, it's got to be something that fits your situation. And I heard from God. So I said, yes, I heard from the Lord. And he, I read the scripture and I said, God said that he would, could get us a car in three days. I believe that God's going to get us a car within three days. The next day I had a dealership call me and says, Mr. Moe, I'm just here to tell you that you've been approved for a loan and you wanted this car and we'll have it here within three days. And that was the last time our credit was bad. God supernaturally provided. They had a special promotion at this dealership. You can tow it in, pull it in, drag it in. <laughs> Remember that? Pull it in, drag it in, tow it in, and we'll give you $1,000 for it. <laughs> you know, I drove up. They had our car, a shiny black car. Chrysler was all polished up and ready to go. We did the paperwork and stuff like that. And, you know, and then all of a sudden the salesman comes back. He goes, uh, he goes, do you guys have that towed here? Did you drive it here? I said, we drove it here. He goes, you know, our guys have been trying to start that car ever since you guys got here. <laughs> and it hasn't started. And I'm smiling, you know. He goes, we don't want to, it's not even worth a thousand dollars. We'll give you 800. I said, fine, I'll take 800. I should have stood my ground because he said a thousand, but I was just happy to get rid of it. Amen. <laughs> Why did I tell that story? If your hopeful situation is in any area of provision, God will always provide for you. Well, that takes me to a, another story about that same car. The reason I got the car in the first place is I was in a hopeless situation. You know, uh, I didn't have a car because it got repossessed, so I walked every day to work from where I lived at. I'd walk in the snow in the wintertime. Sometimes people give me a ride. But I was going to be faithful and come to work, right? And so there was this, the company I was working for had a job. And it was for a management position. And I was just an hourly employee. And so I interviewed. I told my boss, I'd like to apply for this job. And he goes, I think that they would hire you. And so um, I had to go. I, had to, I was living in Davenport, Iowa at the time and I had to drive to Des Moines, Iowa to, for this interview and so they had back then they had these places where you could rent a car for cash, you know, a used car and drive it. I drove it over there, did the interview. Long story short, they offered me the position. I said yes and when they offered me the position, I had no car. Didn't have a car at all, you know, and um, I'm sorry, I was in Cedar Falls, Iowa. I was in Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Iowa, is where I was working at at the time. And I remember when I lived in Waterloo, Cedar Falls, I said, I know why Napoleon was defeated at the Battle of Waterloo. <laughs> it was a tough place to live. And um, someone says, you just got hired for this new job. I go, yep, that's right. 
and I start in two weeks. And they said, you don't have a car. I said, I don't have a car, but God will provide me with a car. And so about eight days had gone by, and this guy that I worked with, his name was Blair, and um, his mother had just bought a brand new car, and he says to me, John, my mom just bought a brand new car. She's getting rid of her old car. Would you be interested in it? The answer is yes. <laughs> and he goes, well, I go, well, how much does she want? And she wants a certain amount of money, and of course, I didn't have the money. I said, well, I said, I don't have that amount of money right now. And he went back to talk to his mom. He goes, my mom, and I knew his mom. He goes, my mom says you're good for it. You can just make her payment. You name the payments and then just pay her every month and the car is yours. You know, God will provide for you. If he provided for me, he'll provide for you. So... So I got the car, and then um, it was, I was, why are you telling these stories? Well, because they matter. You know, and we all have, every one of us here in the room have different stories, but uh, in that situation on my new job, you know, part of the deal is, is that I got to get an apartment to live in. I'm thinking like, Lord, I, you know, I don't have any extra money for a full month's rent and a deposit on for the apartment and then a full month's rent and all that stuff. I said, you know, I don't have that. And so the company I was going to go train to be a manager for, the guy called me up, the HR person, and says, our company has started something brand new. And he goes, we're going to have you go work over in Davenport, but then you're going to come back and work here. And uh, we spent a lot of money on um, moving people. And, you know, Every time they moved, they canceled their lease, and then we got to pay the, the penalty and stuff. Our company wants to put you up in a motel for your whole training. And so they put me up in a hotel for my 90 days of training. For three months, they paid my hotel bill. So God blessed me with that car that you could smuggle people in. <laughs> And, get, and blessed me with a place to stay, and I got back on my feet again. Very interesting, isn't it? One other thing happened with that car. I said that as you drive it, the gas needle would move, and um, my first week on the, this motel is outside the city limits, and it's kind of out in the country, and I gotta drive back and forth. I'm using my gas and I'm running out of gas. And I said, Lord, I don't have enough gas to get through the week on. And I came to a point and I didn't have any money. I mean, I was really in a destitute situation at that time, right? And um, I said, Lord, this car is running out of gas, you know. And my gas needle hit E and then it went below E. And I drove for several days on an with no gas in that car. Now that's a miracle. Hopeless situation. You know, it really doesn't matter what your situation is, it's not too big for God to handle. And sometimes when I look back on some of these things, I go, Lord, why did I go through these things? Well, 
sometimes it isn't until you get into a hopeless situation that you really, at that point, you really learn that God's real. And that he will take care of you. Are you still hanging in there with me? Where were we at before we took the side road? Anyone remember? Where were we with Paul, right? He said, I believe God, right? Anyone believe in God tonight? You got to believe God, amen? If you don't believe God, then your hopeless situation, it's tough. It's, it's, it becomes very difficult. And there's pressure on people here in the room tonight, or maybe it's someone watching TV. There's great pressure being put on you because of a hopeless situation. You know, just because you have arthritis doesn't mean that you have to have it all your life. Amen? I said, just because the doctor says it's this way doesn't mean that it's going to be that way. All things are subject to change, right? 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, if you can see it, it's subject to change. You know, if you can feel it in your body, if you're in here and you have arthritis and you've had it for a long time, bursitis, whatever it is, it's subject to change. It can change, and it can change overnight. Amen. Amen. While we do not look at the things which seem, quit looking at everything in the natural. Everything in the natural say you can't do it, it's not going to happen. But what are we supposed to look at? Look at the things, notice this. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How can you look at things that aren't seen? God isn't seen. And he's eternal. Look at the word. Look at what the word has to say. Look at what God promised in his word concerning your hopeless situation. And it will work out for you. Hebrews 11.1 says this. uh, Hebrews. It says, uh, not Hebrews 11, 1. Hebrews 11, I got the wrong verse. It says, now, or, now, or, yeah. now faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the certainty of what we do not see. You may be in a hopeless situation and you don't see something, but how many know your faith makes a big difference, right? Amen. You have to come to a point where you believe. Uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 19, please. I got to keep moving it on here so we can finish up. Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 19. We have the story here of a man who had brought a son to Jesus and to his disciples, and the son had a mute spirit. And notice this here, verse 18. It says, whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and waddled foaming at the mouth. And so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Now I want you to get the picture here. 
you got this man and it's his son and he's foaming at the mouth. He's being vexed by some kind of spirit. He falls down in front of Jesus, starts foaming at the mouth. And Jesus goes, how long has this been going on? (laughs) Do you notice Jesus is not paying any attention to what the devil's doing? And he answered and said from childhood, and often it has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus said unto them, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen? Our responsibility is to believe. His responsibility is to answer us when we believe. We've got to do our part. Amen? And then that guy talked, went later on and said, oh, Lord, I believe. Then he said, Lord, help my unbelief. He's struggling here in that situation. And then Jesus helped him get free from that thing, you know. I was in a situation where my sister was in a hospital. And she had suffered many sicknesses all of her life. Just all kind of sicknesses and stuff. And she was living in Ohio at the time. And the Cleveland, Ohio area, and she was in the hospital, and I was visiting her, and um, she was not in a good situation. She had suffered from diabetes, and I mean, just all kind of stuff. At one time, she was an epileptic, and I mean, just all kind of problems in her physical body, and so she was in the hospital, and I decided that uh, I'm going to pray for her, and she's a believer, She's a believer in God. She's spirit-filled and everything. She's a believer. And I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I, as I start praying for her, all of a sudden, buzzers start going off, and she's straight-lined right in the middle of my prayer. And I look down, and she's foaming at the mouth. She's straight-lined, lights are flashing, nurses come into the room, they're I'm there with my mom and they take my mom and says, we're going to do everything we can to try to save your daughter here. She's having a heart attack, it looks like, or whatever. And they move us to the side. And then um, uh, one nurse says, uh, would you, you know, this is a Catholic hospital. My, the nurse says, would you like us to call the priest to come in and pray with you? And she said, sure. And I'm going, I'm a minister. <laughs> I'm sorry I left my collar at home, you know. (laughs) And I didn't let that get me down, you know. So they pull us aside and stuff. And um, they start working on her, and it don't look good. We're in a hopeless situation. And I said to my, my mom said to me, hon, she's not going to make it. I said, mom, she's going to make it. I said, she's going to make it. And she goes, how do you know? I said, because I know God. And I said to my mom, this was on a Tuesday, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, come 6 o'clock tonight, she'll be alive. I said, come 9 o'clock tonight, she'll still be living. At midnight, she'll still be living. Come this time tomorrow afternoon, she'll be living. I said, come Thursday, she'll still be alive. Come Friday, she'll still be living. And that was my faith speaking. They came in and worked on her. 
they got her stabilized, they got her heart beating or whatever, they got her stabilized, and they go, oh, it doesn't look good, we don't think that she's gonna make it through the night. And I went through the same thing again. I said, I told you, Mom, this is how it's gonna work out. She was released from the hospital on Thursday. Your faith matters greatly. In a hopeless situation, your faith matters greatly. It's important to feed your faith constantly. It's important to feed your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, right? But there's a lot of word here. It needs to hear certain things that's going to help you in your situation. And she was living. And lived for several years after that. You know, we had a relative one time in our family who was being vexed, and they were a Christian, and a spirit-filled Christian. Can a spirit-filled Christian be vexed? Yes, they can be vexed. Didn't say possessed, but vexed. And um, you had to lock up, when this person was in your home, you had to lock up the knives because if they got alone, they would find a butcher knife or whatever and start trying to cut their wrist. And this had been going on for quite a while. How I many you know, if you're a parent of that child to you, that seems like a hopeless situation. And so this person was attending a church and they went and spoke to their pastor and said, do you think you could help us in this situation? And the pastor says, yeah, I can help you. Oh, we'll get some elders together and we'll help you. Just bring the person here to us. And brought the person in to the elders. The elders used their authority and the power of God through the, with their authority in the name of Jesus and set that person free from that. You know, when you're trying to destroy yourself, you're the, you are the temple of God. You carry the Holy Spirit. You carry answers for people. Why would you want to destroy yourself? How I many you know that's the devil? Yes. Now, I don't know how the devil got in in that situation, but it went from hopeless to a whole lot better after one visit to the church. Amen? And we all have the power and the ability to help people in their hopeless situation. One time I got a call from a pastor in my community when I was pastor at church. He says, because Pastor Mo, he goes, got a situation in our church. I think that you could help. I go, what's the situation? And this guy was like demonized and was causing his family all kind of problems. And I said, sure, bring him over to me. I can help him. You know, you have to have confidence in God. He was for the different denomination. They didn't even believe in casting out devils. But God wants people free. I said, tell him to come over. We'll set up an appointment. I'll help him out. And he never showed up. You can't help people who don't want to be free. You can't help people who don't want help. Are you guys getting what I'm saying here? 
we're almost done. You know, we were talking about, thank you, Lord, I got two things left. Um, go back to the book of Acts, please. Remember we had Paul in the midst of the storm, right? You guys remember that, right? Let's go back to there. Of course, they finally landed in Acts 28. Acts 28, almost done. Verse 1, it says this now. And when they had escaped, of course, the storm, uh, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives... I think King James in some translations says barbarians. I like that word, barbarians. <laughs> if you got a translation that says barbarians, that's good. <laughs> barbarians are barbaric, you know? I mean, they just, you know, I picture people who tear meat off animals and eat it raw or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it said the natives here in the New King James and the natives showed us unusual kindness. Here's this man, Paul, and everyone that was sailing with him, and he was in a hopeless situation. Now they land on the island, and there's people in a foreign land who don't speak their language showing them unusual kindness. Is God not good or what? For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. When barbarians, barbarians make you welcome, that's God. And some people are afraid to go on a mission strip. We went a long way to get there. <laughs> For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was following him because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the, on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. How many know when vipers bite you, time is short? a hopeless situation but you know when you're like the apostle Paul and you've weathered some storms you learn a few things amen and this is what I want you to learn what he did verse 5 he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm when you come under attack from the enemy like that you just got out of one hopeless situation and then immediately you're in another hopeless situation, my advice to you would be to shake it off. Come on, someone say, I just got to shake it off. Come on, let's just, we got to shake it off. You got you to you gotta shake it off. There was a guy that was in a hopeless situation. He had cancer. One of my church members many years ago. And he was doing well, using his faith and believing God. And one day he was on a way home from a chemotherapy session or whatever. And I mean, he was doing well. Then his car got hit by another car. And it discouraged him so much. 
And I could see that he was immediately, he just, I, I don't want to fight anymore. And he left this world. You know, the devil doesn't fight fair. And whether you realize it or not, we're all living in a combat zone. Yes. We're ambassadors here. This is not our home, right? And the enemy wants to take us all out because he hates us because we represent the Father. But when you're in a hopeless situation, there are times you just got to shake it off. Amen? Amen. You lost your job? Too bad, so sad. Somebody wants to hire the kid. Somebody wants to hire me. And I'm going to get a better job. That actually happened to me. I got fired. My boss fired me. When I was at Bible school, he fired me. And he fired me one week before my one-year anniversary because he didn't want to pay me my vacation pay because he was cheap. And I wanted to tell him to take his job and, you know, do what with it? (laughs) But God said, don't do that. You're going to mess it up for the other Bible school students who will work here out down the road. So I had to keep my mouth shut. So I went just a couple blocks down the street and got a job making half of what my former boss was paying me which was half of what I was being paid before I went to Bible school. So now I'm making 75% less than what I was making before I moved to go to Bible school. And somehow we paid off $12,000 in debt at the time. And I can't tell you how we did it, but we did. I'm not right about that. So I'm working that job and I was on spring vacation, and um, when I got back from spring vacation, my boss hired someone to replace me, and I was a manager at this restaurant. He goes, you've been demoted. I hired so-and-so to replace you. And he, he was a former manager at Olive Garden restaurant. And I said, okay, no problem. So I'm done. He goes, no, you, he goes, you can be a waiter. And I thought, well, I've waited tables before. I can do it. I can wait tables, you know. I only have a few more months of school left, right? So I can wait tables. I waited tables, and I made so much money, I made more than what, <laughs> than what he was paying me. And every week, you had to report your tips on how much you made so they could take taxes. I would report. He goes, you're lying. You didn't make that much money. I said, no, I'm not supposed to lie. I'm a Christian. I said, that's how much money I made. He goes, that's more than I was paying you. I said, yep, God always takes care of me. (laughs) And then I just worked. And then that man who worked at, was a manager for Olive Garden says, you know, at about the time school was getting done, Bible school, he says, you know what the owner did to you wasn't right. I go, yeah, I know it. He goes, but you've always had such a good attitude. I go, yeah. So what are you gonna do? He goes, I know the regional manager for Olive Garden, and he's going to come into this restaurant tonight for dinner. I want you to wait on him, and when you wait on him, he's going to offer you a job with them as a manager. Long story short, the guy came in. I waited on him. 
he hired me on the spot, never sent a resume, filled out an application, filled that out later. And then I was making three times, or double, or three times what I was making there. Hopeless situations. God specializes in turning them around. I want to encourage you to give you, to, uh, when, if you're in a hopeless situation right now, I really want to encourage you to trust God. And believe God. Amen. You know, if you're a wife and you're saying, my husband will never change, you're basically boxing him in. And you're not happy where your marriage is at and you think that it's hopeless, but then you're saying he'll never change. You're not giving God anything to work with. God can change your family. He can visit your kids. He can change your finances. He can provide a job for you. And then, you know, for that person here, there's confusion in your mind. It's not a hopeless situation. It's not a hopeless situation. You know, the name of Jesus, if you use the name of Jesus, you could take authority over confusion. Amen. I'll close with this. There was one time when I was in ministry, and ministry can be very tough and difficult. And it was a very difficult season in ministry, and I wasn't doing well. And I was, I didn't know it, but one of our minister friends said to my wife, uh, I know what's wrong with your husband. And she goes, what? You know, tell me what's wrong with him. He's depressed. And the moment that she said that to my wife, my wife said that to me, I go, that's it. That's exactly what's going on with me. I didn't even know I was depressed. And it had gotten so bad that I had a Bible that I would use to minister in each week, and I couldn't even find my Bible in my house. I looked and searched my house. I looked all over the place. I couldn't find my Bible. It was just a terrible situation here. And I'm going, God, you know, the enemy's really working against me. You know, I'm down and depressed. I can't find my Bible. And this has gone on for weeks. You know, and I didn't know what to do about it. And the Lord taught me something that day. <sighs> one day, one day I was, I'm trying to finish up here. One day I was at home and our, both of our boys were young and they were still at home. And Julie was gone, at, she was at work or something. I don't remember where you're at. But I went to my bedroom and I laid down and then I had a dream. And in this dream, I'm ministering at my church, and it's on a Sunday morning. And there was this lady that came in to visit the church in the dream. And, you know, so-and-so, this is my friend, you know, and she's here. And, you know, I said hi to her and stuff like that. The service was over, and I was back in my office area, and I was by myself. And this lady walks in the door. And when she walks in the door, I said, hi, can I help you? And she said, you sure can, Pastor. This is what I have going on. And in this dream, she went from being this nice lady to a roaring tiger yeah. with her claws out. And I'm thinking like, I sure could use an usher right now. <laughs> Where's my usher at, you know? And it's just me and a raging tiger and she, leaped, she jumped out toward me with her claws out and was coming at me to kill me. 
And in this dream, I yelled as loud as I could, in the name of Jesus, no, you don't. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I was laying in the bed, I'm up in my bed and I'm pointing. And I realize that I'm dealing with a spiritual battle here. And God just showed me to how to get out of it. Any kind. <laughs> Suicide isn't the answer. Being medicated up wasn't the answer. That's a spiritual battle. And then I was mad and I felt that presence was still there. And I yelled at the top of my voice in the name of Jesus, get out of this house and never come back again. And a whim blew through my house and papers blew. And my boys were like, dad, are you okay? (laughs) And you know what? It lifted. I got out of that situation. And you know what? I found my Bible immediately. It was, we have a bed that had a headboard and a footboard, and my Bible was stuck between the end of the mattress at the footboard and the footboard. And I had looked there at least five or six times and never saw it. And when I pulled it out, my Bible was covered with dust and stuff like that. And I'm thinking like, the enemy was really keeping me from the word of God and my assignment. I want you all to stand, please. As we close out this service, I don't know any other way to close it out, but I believe that there's people here, you may be in a hopeless situation. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's between you and your mom or you and your dad, a relative, a brother or sister. Maybe it's something with your job. Maybe you've been trying to get free from drugs or alcohol and the enemy's been telling you that you'll never be set free from that. That's the purpose of a message. I want you to give God an opportunity tonight to help you Paul and Silas had a Macedonian vision and in the vision the man said come over here to Macedonia and help us and they went over to Macedonia there was a fortune telling demonized girl Paul set the girl free and then they wound up being beaten and thrown in jail their feet are locked in the stocks and It seems like it's a hopeless situation. They don't know how long they're going to be in jail. Their ministry may be over. But they did something in a hopeless situation that I want you to do tonight. We're going to pray. The Bible says that they prayed and they sang praises unto the Lord. And as they prayed and sang praises to the Lord, the foundations of the prison shook chains fell off every person and all the prison doors were open every door in the prison opened and every chain fell off because two 
men of God prayed and sang praises. And I don't know what your hopeless situation is, but we're going to pray. And I want you to pray right where you're at. And then after we pray, we're going to praise God. We're going to praise God. If you guys get ready. All right. You don't have to pray out loud. You can pray out loud if you want to. You can pray softly. You don't want anyone to know what your hopeless situation is. But we're going to pray, and I'm going to lead it a general prayer, all right? Don't be looking around. God will help you tonight. I said God will help you. Let's pray. Now, Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I'm so thankful that you've helped me in hopeless situations. And there are people here in the room, Father, who are dealing with hopeless situations in their finances, in their physical body, in their relationship. There are people that are addicted to things, that addiction to prescription medication, Father, that addiction to alcohol, that addiction to pornography, Father. It seems like it's a hopeless situation. They've cried out to you, Father, to be free from these things. They've cried out, Father. They've cried that tormenting pain that's in that body they've cried out and they've sought help Father in the name of Jesus you said who the son sets free is free indeed I'm asking for freedom I'm asking for deliverance in this hopeless situation You said in the word of God that if you would call upon me in the day of trouble, I will answer you. I will deliver you. I'm asking you to answer and deliver these people tonight in the name of Jesus. I'm asking that the Holy Spirit, the power of God would come and set people free from their hopeless situation. I'm asking for a turnaround in health. I'm asking for you to restore relationships. I'm asking you to provide where there's no provision, Father. And I thank you for doing it in the name of Jesus. That guilt from things that were done years ago that's haunted that person, I'm asking you to totally set them free from that tonight in Jesus' name. And I thank you for doing it. I thank you for helping these that are in hopeless situations, Father. Just lift your hands up and begin to thank God. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for answering prayer. I thank you, Father. I thank you. We just praise you. We just give you the glory. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for turnaround. Thank you for restoring. The restoration starts tonight, Father. Thank you for restoring the marriage, the relationships. Thank you, Father, freedom from pornography, freedom from alcohol, freedom from that secret drug addiction. Freedom, Father, in the name of Jesus. We just give you the praise for it and we thank you for it. Thank you for being a good God. Thank you for showing us your kindness. Thank you for showing us your goodness. Thank you for loving us and helping us in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead. Just go ahead and sing with them, please. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to our God. Glory to Jesus. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for the change. Thank you for the healing. Thank you for this day. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, we're done unless you guys, any of you guys have anything? No? Pastor John Logan is on tomorrow night. And um, he'll be like an archer. And his message will be on target. And he'll hit the bullseye tomorrow night. I want to encourage you to be here. It's from God. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, they'll be praying for the service tomorrow night. And however the Holy Spirit will leave, if you can make it, they would sure be nice of you to be here. If you could only make it for an hour, 10 to noon, if you could only make it for an hour, just come on out. And encourage you to be here and let God minister to you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Esso Celate, the Echemia Atio by Ecocha, Dore Eschele a Nahasho di Apatostai, Ke Ecotoma, Re Eschetio, Ha Dole a Cushetanei. These are days of awareness. The light of heaven is shining forth. The light of heaven is bringing revelation, understanding how to operate and move in these end times. To be looked to him because the glory, the glory, the glory always works. Ma eceto itabracletio dre asamaticlostaya de ecoma yatobro hasheo de ma o lama is coming to the door and then moving through the door for there as yield and bow to him oh the plan will so be unfolded and the plan and purpose will be so realized oh I know we'll know what to do I'll know what to do because the light the light as I come through that door is on it amen amen micheneto break it last time Drosele presto dota, prekita braso pacelito, handromana secondre calaccio today. Ha. 
Asikote. It's not as it appears. It's not as it appears. Heaven's way is, has a better way. Heaven's way opens up, opens up for the flow in such a way. Goes higher and higher and higher. And it, it flows and brings others in the path. It flows and brings others along the way. It flows and it flows and it flows. And such life comes from heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's tongues and interpretation of tongues. Hallelujah. Amen. You're loved by God. You're going to sleep great tonight. My God, you're going to sleep great tonight. Enjoy the rest, and we'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.